0: All right, sound level's good on this end? Yeah, you sound awesome. It's like you you look like you're in the broadcast booth, you sound like you're in the broadcast booth. That's what we do,
1: man.
2: You're listening to the Late to Grid podcast. This is your host, Bill Snow. And in today's episode, we are talking with Dana Morrison and Bill Strong with the Champ Car Endurance Series. We talk all things endurance racing. Talk about funny things that have happened at the track, and we talk about their 2022 season. And I have to tell you, they have a lot of stuff going on this year. So take a listen, learn more, and after the episode, I'll share some updates. <laughs> well,
0: guys, I'm uh, I'm joined by Bill and Dana from Champ Car, and um, what better way to start off? Our second episode of season two, and then talking about endurance racing and it's a very popular form of motorsports today. So Bill and Dana, thanks very much for being on the podcast. It's Dana
1: and Bill. I want to get that right.
0: Oh, all right. I was going <laughs> alphabetical. <laughs>
3: well, Dana and Bill.
0: <laughs> we know who's in charge, Dana. There we go. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, thanks for being here.
3: Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks. thanks. <laughs> it's great.
0: So Dana's sitting down in warm Florida, but Bill and I and, uh are in cleveland and virginia and we got colder temps so we're thinking about uh off-season stuff working on the cars but uh Dana, before we jump into it are there any any not with champ car but are there any series running down in the florida area any tracks open
3: well so i'd just like to back up for a second what is this off-season word you're speaking of <laughs> there's no
0: such thing is there
3: <laughs> <laughs> no i mean we we ran three races in december I wrapped up the last race of 2021, the weekend before Christmas and immediately started planning for the first race of 2022, um, including getting all the end of season stuff. I've got to get wrapped up, packaged and out to people, you know, like the bookkeepers and, uh, and yeah, make plans to start off the whole new year again. So there's, there's almost no, no downtime. And, and to answer your question, uh, like I said, we just finished up races in Alabama, Virginia, and Florida just most recently just the weekend before Christmas and we'll be racing again in the Atlanta Georgia area here in just a few weeks.
0: Oh wow that's right you did a VIR event last month right? Yes sir. Okay how'd that go?
3: Excellent um one of the neat things about VIR is because of the format of the facility we can run multiple events there and have a different configuration. So traditionally, our December event is a double eight hour event run, you know, one full race on Saturday, one on Sunday, and uh, it allows the teams uh, a good place to get to right before the, the Christmas break. And then we're fortunate to have the Sebring date right in December, which allows us to run in Florida, you know, in in what's presumably wintertime everywhere else. So it gives us a good opportunity to keep our customers racing.
0: Yeah, for sure. What's your first event of 2022? Uh, the Atlanta one?
3: Road Atlanta is almost always, in fact, it has been for a great many years now. Our, our first race of the season.
0: Good deal, excellent. Well, before we get too far down the road, let's learn a little bit more about your guys' background and um, what you know, what your background is, what you do, and then what you do with um, with Champ Car. So, Dana, let's start with you. What's your background?
3: So, um, I, I would say that my background, quite honestly, is the the almost target market for my champ car racers. Um, I probably like a lot of our people, I I had, you know, career job, I was career law enforcement and reservist in the military, including a couple of recalls for active duty. You know, like a lot of us after September 11th, you know, Mm -hmm. the principle of being a reservist kind of changed. So, you know, a lot of time on and off active duty there, but I was always a race fan. And when I say I was the, the target market for champ car, I was a race fan. I watched a lot of racing on TV, went to races when I possibly could. You know, participated here and there in some autocrossing, but I was never really in a position to cross that threshold to actually go racing myself until what we originally started at the Champ Car series came along um, back in the days known as Chump Car, and for the first time, I was able to say, "Hey, I, I can do this." I financially, I can actually go do this. So I got involved with a couple of friends, and we built a car in a guy's backyard and went jump car racing. And like a lot of people, I was hooked right away. So my driving racing experience has all been within our own series. And I watched it go from, you know, events on small courses with jump car to grow into where we are now. I've run with the team. I ran my own team for a little bit, had a little bit of success, had a couple of trophies, had a one occasion where we lost a car to a crash. So I've kind of, you know, seen the experience of everybody. And I started volunteering with champ car, jump car, and uh, little by little that led to getting to know Mike, the previous president, and he offered me a job running the timing and scoring system, so I started doing that, and little by little I became more and more involved, and now I find myself sitting here as the president of the club, so I try to keep that in mind when I talk to our new racers, understanding that I, I came from that background. I, I didn't have a lifetime career in racing and motorsports other than just being a fan. So I try to reflect that when I'm talking to our new customers and tell them, listen, I've, I've been where you're at. You know, I can show you how to get off the couch and come participate. You know, take the race, run it on your DVR or whatever electronic system you got. Watch it on Monday. Come out with us on Saturday and Sunday and do it for real. I, I can show you how to do it yeah. at a price point that people like me can afford.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So going from, you know, participating, volunteering, and, and now being the president. Nope,
3: it's been a crazy trip.
0: Yeah, and Bill, let's talk about your background. How'd you get into motorsports, and how'd you get partnered up with Champ Car?
1: Well, I uh, my days uh right out of high school, late '70s, early '80s, I, I ended up going to the Air Force and going overseas. And uh, I remember a buddy saying, "Hey, there's this race I want you know you want to go to," and it was the European Grand Prix. Uh, Formula One was probably one of the first races I ever attended that was a pro race, not a circle track thing and sit, you know, like alcohol and San Diego, but a real road race. And, uh, I, um, I just fell in love with it and went to as many road races as I could in Europe and, uh, came back to the States and, uh, started auto crossing. I had a buddy that, uh, ran the Chrysler proving grounds in Phoenix. And, uh, he asked me to, you know, Hey, I see you have a little hot rod toyota corolla gts that i had just bought brand new in 85 he says you need to get that thing off the street and let's go let's go do some autocrossing. no clue what that was went to him and absolutely blown away by it it was just this is so much fun and kind of did that for a bunch of years and went back to europe with the air force and and uh kind of tried racing over there and figured out you actually needed money back then to go racing like a lot of money and, uh, to do it seriously and kind of left it and kind of mountain biked and did that stuff up until the, uh, 2009. Um, I, in, in 2000, I started up a, a thing called the Toyota MR2 club, the MR2 OC. And, uh, it grew from a few hundred guys to almost a hundred thousand members worldwide. And, uh, a buddy of mine went off to the scene called 24 hours of lemons and he came back and said, dude, we have got to do this. And oh. it's so cheap and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so we did it. And I fell in love. Um, this is, this is what I wanted to do. So, um, built my own car, uh, found out that chump car was coming out. Um, I wanted to do more serious racing. I didn't really like the pageantry. I I'm not a partier. I don't drink that kind of stuff. I just, I just didn't like it that side of it and chump car offered everything I wanted and did a couple of races and just fell in love. And next thing I know, I'm, I think I'm like 85 races or so I've done with this series. Um, the, uh, that that I've actually participated in as a racer and a car owner the whole bit. So it's, uh, we've won one race. That's sort of my claim to fame is one win. (laughs) (laughs) I've had about 50, uh, 50 other failures, um, throughout the, the series with wheels flying off the car, engines, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, typical racing stuff. But um, I got asked by Mike Chiswick. I had done some social media stuff with the University of Virginia and and with the, my message board stuff. And I got asked by Mike Chiswick who's our former CEO, to uh, kind of come on and kind of help with uh, what he wanted to do with the company. And, and uh, I kind of stuck around. And here I am. Dana asked me to come back, and we blame Dana for all this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, before I let the uh, episode get too far, thank you both for your service to our country. Appreciate that. And I know the listeners appreciate it as well. So if um, if someone's been to a Champ Car event, they've no doubt, Bill, seen you um, running up and down all around the facility, antennas sticking out of every part of your body, Orphous, batteries, yes, yeah. <laughs> batteries over there. So, um, so if somebody sees you running around the, the facility, what are you doing? What, what, what's all that equipment for?
1: Well, up until 2020, it was, I was pretty much on pit lane the whole time. Um, so a couple of years ago, uh, Paul Veltham and I put together a program called Champ Car Live, which was, or Champ Car Live, Champ Car, something, and something like that. I forget what it was called back in the early days. But uh, basically live streaming each event. And it's something that, that we had, both of us had really no clue what we were doing other than the fact what we wanted to do. How do we get there? Didn't really know. We, we you know, this new thing called, uh, streaming from your cell phone started up and I found tech, you know, the technical side of that was really cool. It's like, how can I, how can I put this in my race car? How can I, you know, how, how can I do a, a feed from inside the car? How can I do it from the side of the track? How can I report? I really like to like to do this. And Paulie was on the, um, the, the, the production side and knew a lot more with the producing of, of these shows and how to, uh, Uh, basically take all the camera feeds and and uh, put them into a show that our customers could watch and enjoy and kind of see what it takes to do this and uh, it's kind of got way out of (laughs) control it was just a small part of our our workload but now it's just it's a big part of it cool Um, but yeah I just sit on pit lane and ask people why they're out here freezing their butts off or getting rained on and why aren't they out on track you know why is their car broke you know that kind of stuff just have fun with it (laughs) rubbing it in oh yeah you got to do that
0: that's great so for the assume the listener one one listener might not know what champ car is to you guys how do you explain what champ car is
3: bill i'll let you go first on this one
1: champ car is affordable auto racing for pretty much anybody i mean all you need is a driver's license few bucks a few friends you know you can either put together a car and go racing yourself um or find some teams out there some friends that do have a car and uh go on some of the best tracks in the world all over the united states i think we have 29 races right now scheduled we're still working on a few more yeah a couple Um, yeah all over the country and it's uh it's fun you get to do things that you'd only see on seen on tv you know like I remember racing at Charlotte and coming around, coming out of NASCAR Four, and just seeing, you know, this was my—I guess it was the last stint at night—coming out of NASCAR Four and just seeing what the race cars saw when I watched it on ABC's Wide World of Sports. You know that—that that was just the coolest thing
3: ever for me. Yeah. I want Champ Car to be the place where somebody who's brand new to motorsports has always had an interest in it where they're able to take their very first step into actually going road racing. I want it to be relatively easy transition. I want it to be cost effective for them. I want it to be safe. I mean, it is motorsports after all, and we're driving around in race cars, but we want the series to be safe. But I want I want it to be a place where people can try motorsports and try racing. And if they find a home in Champ Car and they stay with us, that's terrific. If they find that they love motorsports so much and they want to make the investment and climb that ladder and try to go professional racing. That's fantastic too. I, I wish him the best of the luck on the way up. But again, looking back to my experience, partly it was financial and partly it was just barriers. There were all these things you had to do. You had to go and get licenses and get the blessing of somebody. And, you know, you you had to go, it was very, it was very expensive and you had to fill all these check boxes out somewhere just to get out on the racetrack for the first time. And, and what really grabbed my attention for Champ Car, Chump Car back in the day, was that I could do this both financially and without a whole lot of difficulty. The, the path from interest on the website to being under the helmet and rolling out my first race was pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And I want Champ Car to remain a place like that. I want Champ Car to be a place where there's low barriers to entry, very easy rules. Unfortunately, we're going to have to have rules and those rules are going to have to continue to evolve. But because, you know, racers are racers, even brand new racers are racers. But I want it to be a place where someone like me can make that first outing into motorsports and and have that experience of, of actually trying the thing you've been watching on TV as a fan your whole life and, and, and doing it. So I talk about that a lot because people will come to me at other events whether they're brand new racers or whether they're racers that are already participating at, at other levels of motorsports. And, you know, for whatever it is that interests them with us, I focus on the, the cost, the ease of entry, no barriers, that that's a place where people can just jump into it for the first time. We always want to be welcoming to those people. I want them to, I want Champ Car to be a home for them.
1: Yeah. And, and I like the, uh, the fact that the low barriers, the the rules are not like some other clubs where, you this is how we want you to build your car you know this is the only thing you can do to it what i liked about champ chump and champ was that it you, you you were left a little freedom there to have some fun and learn and you know i i came out our first our first races we came out thinking we knew all about building race cars you know we knew all about you know how to make an endurance racer and i'd read all the books and studied this and that for for decades and then come to find out our first race we had no clue <laughs> we just had no clue and, you know it's
3: interesting you say yeah. that because i would also say that i would like i like champ Car to remain a place where people realize just how difficult motorsports racing yeah. not just endurance racing but just motorsports racing in general can be and um you know not not trying to single out or you know focus in on any particular racers but from time to time i'll get people who come and whether they're wrapping up their first race or they're just showing up and and they're telling me all about how things are gonna go and how things are gonna do, and they've done this and that, because you know, they read an article in Car and Driver magazine and they've got this whole racing thing figured out. And, and I just laugh. I'm like, well, <laughs> now I appreciate your enthusiasm. Let's talk after the race. And and if anybody is watching this for the first time and wondering about getting into it, or even maybe if you're raced a couple of times with us, you know. The the thing for me that separates the really serious racers, the people who really want to get after this is how they deal with that first bit of adversity. You know, if your first thought is, well, it was just wrong and I can't do it, you know, then you know you need to take a step back a little bit and and sometimes think about who you're competing against and their level of experience and and really be willing to kind of take that that hardship and adversity and learn from it you know, ask the other teams who are successful, what's worked for them and and how they manage a race. And, you know, the number one thing for endurance racing is stay on track and keep turning laps. It's not always about the speed. Rarely does the fastest car win the race. It's about staying on the track and continuing to turn laps, stay out of trouble. You know, our very first race, man, we showed up with a car and there was like nine of us on the team. And, you know, we knew it was just kind of thrown together. We were there to have fun, but I think like four or five hours into the race, you know, we got the, the, the pit lane thing, right. There's something wrong with the clutch, right. The the ubiquitous something, right. There's always something wrong, right. We never know what it is, but there's something wrong with the clutch. And long story short, after we got the transmission and everything else out of the car in the the sand and the sand spurs and everything else and the dirt at the side of Sebring. And we realized there was nothing but a plate and a couple of rivets flopping around because there was no clutch left on our clutch. Cause <laughs> apparently one of our drivers was surfing the clutch pedal with his left foot. Okay. There, there's a learning moment for all of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Put off yeah. the clutch if we're not using it, you know? So, you know, and, and if you take the fun from that experience and, and roll with, with how much fun this series can be, then you're in the right place. You know, Champ Car is the place for you.
0: Yeah. So we talked about <clears throat> getting started. You got to have a driver's license and then safety equipment. We're looking for a uh, helmet, neck device, suit, gloves, shoes. Um, what else does somebody need other than a
3: car to get? So there, there's two things <clears throat> and put it into two categories. First, there's the car right? Car's got to meet some minimum rules as far as valuation and things you can and can't do with the car, but get away from that for a second. The car has to be, and and safe is an interesting word to use because, you know, you can't necessarily declare something to be safe, but it has to meet our rule requirements, right? So the car has to have a minimum cage requirement in it. The car has to have a fire suppression system in it with a minimum size, minimum number of uh, nozzles. The car has to have a minimum requirement driver seat. The seat has to be securely fastened based on the manufacturer's recommendations. You need your window net properly installed. So there's a whole litany of stuff to the car. That doesn't affect the car's valuation for us at all. We use valuation for points and other things to control expenses. The safety equipment is not included in in any of that. You can spend as much or as little money as you want on your safety equipment, but it's gotta meet the minimum specifications as outlined in our rules. Then you've got safety for the driver. He or she has to have their basic safety equipment and that's either SFI or FIA approved equipment, top to bottom. Shoes, socks, double layer suit or a single layer suit with underwear, again, SFI or FIA approved, head and neck restraint, helmet, gloves, balaclava if you have facial hair. So when you're looking at the equipment, as a driver, he or she needs to invest in their personal equipment. The car, if the team owns the car, then they need to address the car or if you're renting a seat from somebody, then it's the team owner's responsibility to equip the car properly. Um, But even that, it could sound a little daunting. But we have a couple of uh, sponsors that sell safety equipment, and they'll put together a package at a very reasonable rate of equipment that meets these safety requirements. Or there's companies out there that you can call, give them your sizing requirements, and they will ship you a complete driver assembly from shoe to helmet in a bag. You get it, you use it, you package it all back up and you ship it back for them. So even if you just want to try champ car and you don't want to make a full investment in your driver safety gear, you can rent that from a reputable supplier who will supply you with good, clean, legal equipment that you can try the organization with before you make a full-time cost investment so to answer your question from a safety standpoint you got to look at the car and the driver outfit as two separate entities
0: yeah that mail order idea is brilliant
3: yeah, <laughs> Discovery, I could the guy's name just
1: dis- well discoveryparts.com also does rentals for the weekend okay. yep and um racesuitrental.com
0: that's
3: it that's it race yeah. rentals yep 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 all right
0: I would imagine for some people that could be a small barrier to give it a try you just make it easy everything shipped. i wear it i participate i get a big smile ship it
1: back yep Yep. and we have a lot we we do have a lot of teams that do that because that that expense while you know over the years i've kind of collected stuff and dana has as well and you you do a little bit at a time it it, it's spread out but your first race because now we just require a little bit more for safety reasons. We've learned things over the years that we really want you guys being safe. Most of us have to go back to work on Monday. So the, you know, the, the suit, you know, the, the rental is just such a really good idea and cost-effective until you decide, yeah, this is what I want to do.
0: Yeah. And I I know from, uh, from experience, you'll have teams that will, you know, now they're, they're, they're sharing the Hans device or, you know, someone says, Hey, listen, I realize my suit doesn't fit me anymore. Who's got a suit. Now you've got this whole, you know, system trying to find something yep. for the weekend. So I, I, again, I think that's a great idea. Uh, you guys, you hit on the rules a little bit. So what sort of things can impact the rules on a car? So if I put coil overs on, does that bump me? How does that system work?
3: So the first thing to remember with Champ Car is, is that although we have four different classifications of cars that can run for the win and a fifth for um, exception cars, Champ Car's rule set is designed specifically around the idea that every car in the race is capable of running for the overall win. That's just the way Champ Car is set up. It does make us a little bit unique in some of the uh, amateur endurance car series. But we structure things so that every car potentially could be outfitted to win the race. And I think that's reflected in our impounds. If you look across our impound throughout the entire year, we've had cars from A, B, C, and D class All in impound, in the top three, uh, in some cases, winning the race. So although we recognize A, B, C, and D, and that's based on engine displacement, we are primarily set up to run for the overall win. We use what we call a points-based system where every car is on our spreadsheet, and it's just about every car you can possibly imagine. And if your car is not on there, we can get it added to the list without a whole lot of difficulty. But the car is given a starting point value. Um, for example, I think right now, let's say an E46 BMW is a pretty good car right out of the box without any modifications is somewhere around a 500 point car. And you'd think I'd know the point values off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I was looking at the spreadsheet the other day and it was like 13,000 yeah. columns or rows long. So no, I don't know everyone off the top of my head, but assume for example, an E46 is around 500 points right out of the gate. That means you can put your safety equipment in it and go racing without any modifications to the car. Whereas say an old first generation Miata, right? Call it, you know, a mid nineties or so, early nineties Miata. I think they're around 200, 250 points. So that gives you call it 250 points to play with on the car. Now it's up to you as a builder. And this kind of goes to what Bill was saying earlier. Our Our rule book is not strictly permissive, meaning we don't tell you this is what you must do, or this is the only thing you can do. We tell you, go build your car and have fun with it. If you feel you want to invest in handling and you want to put coil shocks and anti-roll bars all the way around it, those are going to cost you, uh, I think it's 10 points per corner for the uh, coil shocks and 20 something points for the roll bars. Add all that up, and now your total point value for the car would be you know, 390 something points or so. So you're fine. If you'd rather put all your investment into aero, wings cost a certain number of points, splitters cost a certain number of points, under trays cost a certain number of points. If that's where you want to spend your points, terrific. If that's what you think is best for your car, put it together how how best you think your, your, your driving style and your car performance works for you. The only thing we say is you got to remain under 500 points. So that's why I was saying earlier, saying E46 BMW is pretty good right out of the gate. That's about the speed we want. So all you can do to it is put a cage in it and go racing. That's a good fast car. But say an early generation Miata, they're going to need some help to keep up with that E46. So we allow them to make all those other modifications. Once you get over 500 points, you start getting penalty laps at the start of the race. So if you go anywhere from 501 to 510 points, you get you start the race one lap down. You get one penalty lap. And then, of course, there's a multiplier. That's assuming we're a seven, eight-hour race you start to getting up into your 14s and your 24 hour races, the multipliers kick in. So that one lap penalty in an eight hour race would be a three lap penalty in a 24 hour race, right? So you start getting over that, Start you start at a deficit in your lap count and that's designed to keep you from just going crazy on your points. And then of course we have our exception class. People talk about EC all the time. The thing to remember with EC is the E stands for exception. You've been granted an exception to one or more of the rules So we'll let you run your car, but it's basically designed around, you've got a car that's legal with another series and you want to try us out for a bit and see if we're what you want to do, but you don't want to completely change your car over to our rule set. We'll come run it in EC and see if you like us or not, but you're not going to run for the win. You're not going to run for any overall stuff. We are just going to score you with the other EC cars. One of the other big things we do is we require the people, all the teams to run 180 tread wear DOT street tires, right? your typical or higher or higher or higher. Right. But nothing lower than that. And the idea there is you've only got so much traction with that tire, right? It can only handle so much acceleration and horsepower. It can only handle so much cornering. It can only handle so much braking. So it limits, it highly limits the need the want or the desire to spend money on excessive arrow or braking or horsepower, because you're limited by your tire. And, you know, you, you look at some other organizations and, people are putting what two, three sets of tires on a car in a weekend. And I can tell you from the Miata team that I started off with, we'd run the same set of tires for a 24 hour race and still have enough tread on them to run a practice event later. Mm -hmm. So it dramatically decreases your budget and your cost input for the weekend, both in the build of the car and in your weekend expenses.
0: Yeah. That's a great way to approach it.
1: And, and, And the, the over 500 points, uh, there seems to be a lot of folks that, well, a few folks out there that think that's such a bad thing. But if you come out there with maybe three or four laps down or even five laps down, you have those performance parts on your cars, theoretically with the absolute perfect race run, you should finish on the, on the same lap as the guy with no parts on his car. So you still have a chance of winning. And we've had teams do that, you know, that were so far down. And then at the end of the race, you know, the f- couple of first couple of cars have issues with their cars and and boom, they're right up in there. Yeah, you know, it's, it, that's not the death knell if you have over 500 points on your car. Lovely. Let's
0: uh, let's talk about the name for a second. So um, it used to be known as Chump Car. Yep. And a couple of years ago, I think it was you got the Champ Car name. What what made the change possible? Uh am going go and you,
3: yeah, you can do Anybody it. You cover this one. So you want me? Yeah. in the way back days, back when the world was black <laughs> and white, um, there was the other series that that we've mentioned. And and we acknowledge, let me just say this right here. We fully acknowledge that we grew out of lemons, right? We we are perfectly proud of our roots and our starting point. Um, as the story was relayed to me, the two gentlemen who started the two series were friends and dreamed up the ideas, literally sitting together and and drinking wine. So we fully acknowledge that we grew out of lemons. And the joke, 24 Hours of Lemons, that's a pretty cool name. And the gentleman who founded us said, hmm, well, sticking with that theory, let's create chump car, right? It was a really funny joke back when there was a champ car. Well, as time went by and that series changed, eventually there was no more champ car and the joke just wasn't funny anymore, you know? <laughs> and then as the organization continued to grow, we began to attract interest from organizations that wanted to get on board with us as sponsors and supporters and other things. And we started encountering a few situations where they were like, you know, we kind of really want to get involved, but we just kind of can't warm up to the chump car thing. So our president at the time, Mike Chiswick and he decided it's maybe it's time to, to refresh our brand a little bit and kind of, you know, kind of change our name to something a little bit more marketable. So he had a couple of different names picked out. I know Bill was deeply involved in this and they had a name registered and a slogan and a Ready logo and everything else. And Bill as Bill is wont to do. If you know, Bill, this, you'll not be surprised was <laughs> poking around on the internet. God knows Bill on the internet. And he contacted, I think he sent the email to both me and Mike at the time and was like, Hey, um, the name Champ Car is available, and I, I because I responded right back and I was like, "That cannot be right. There is <laughs> no way that some organization does not have that name locked up, just to lock up the history." You know, I yeah. said that cannot be right. He says, "I swear this name is available." Yeah. And we actually got a hold of somebody and and legitimately got a hold of uh, the uh, the open wheel Indianapolis based series cars and said, "Is this right? Is this name actually available? Or are you going to sue us if we use it?" And they said no. It, the name's available. We don't have it. And especially once they realized that we were not creating another open wheel series to try and rival them and try to assume the history by use of the name, they they gave us their blessing and said knock yourself out. Use it. Use it in good health. So yeah, he
1: said. He said. He goes. Uh, nobody's using it. Yeah, go have fun right. with it.
3: So, <laughs> it's like, so ahead. it. And and the way we have the name format, it is slightly different, but it is yeah. Champ Car. And it allows us to really go to some of the sponsors and say, hey, you know, we're able to give you a slightly more professional product here and professional facing. And again, there may be some listeners going, you know, and so, but therefore. And the answer to, and so, but therefore, is that involvement with the sponsors allows us to reduce the racing cost to the members when they come to the track. It allows us to operate the company and charge lower rental fees to the racers when they come to the event. So that's the important thing for the racers is that professionalism on our part attracts the sponsors that makes low budget racing available for our members. Yeah. Pretty fun time.
0: That's a great story you would think you know, you, you would think they would have that asset locked up for a long time don't want anyone using it negativity wow. that sort of thing so. there was
1: some isu- there was a, some issues with different groups and the 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 group that ended up taking control of the uh, open wheel series did not have a good relationship with the other one that had champ car so there a little bit of animosity there and they're like that's I think that's why they said go go ahead and have fun with it and when we when we did uh release the what we call the change video to let the world know who we are now um the hate mail that we got from i was
3: just thinking that you you know champ the champ car <laughs> yeah. of, <right>? yeah.
1: <laughs> from champ car um from old indie car right. you know the the open wheel champ car folks was just insane i yeah. mean it was it was
3: yeah. wild. My favorite is the one that posted and said, "You're you're demeaning the legions of Champ Car fans." And somebody else responded and said, "If Champ Car had yeah. legions of fans, there'd still be a Champ Car." So I was like, <laughs> that's, ouch. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Wow." And the but fun again, part is, we went yeah. to we went to that track where that 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 professional level series is now hosted out of, and we had an absolute ball. Oh. They're the best people to deal with. We've gone there twice. We have plans to go back again. They're, they're wonderful. Um, Doug Boyles, the president of the, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, was racing in both both races yeah. we've been at. He's driven a car in, in the event at our track, which I just think is great. And, you know, that's not unusual. The number of times that we've gone to tracks and had staff at the track say, i've been working here 20 years and i've never gotten the opportunity to race truly race in a green flag race in the very track that i work at you know i've never had the chance i finally get to race on my own racetrack and i just think that's fantastic when the when the staff of the facility has got a car in our series and they're running with us i just love that that's yeah there was a
1: cool story there was a, a big symposium during the uh online meeting during the uh covid and worldwide audience worldwide participants and doug bowls and um the the folks folks from all kinds of tracks all over the u.s and world were involved in this and they all focused on doug actually racing before and he talked about uh champ car and how much fun it was and that it was just it blew me away that you know he yeah. he just had so much fun doing it him and his kids or son and um and they had a blast and it it it, it we we um our studio for champ car live was kind of kitty corner from his office. And whenever you, if you know, Doug Bowles, he's always in a tie, Hmm. shirt and tie, sometimes a jacket. And he just, he's the only guy on the track like that. Well, he comes, you know, he comes in in his race suit goes into his office and I'm like, Oh, let's let's see about interviewing him. Doc Waldrop, who was one of our uh, color commentators uh, invites him in. And I'm just thinking, Oh, he's going to say the worst things about us. You know, this was, you know, whatever man, he just had nothing but glowing to say he had so much fun on the track. And, and uh, it was quite fun.
0: That's awesome. So we talked about drivers. Let's talk about crew members as well. And, um, and then let's, let's kind of wrap that around a weekend. So let's just take any weekend that you guys run. What does a typical weekend look like for a driver and their crew? And some of those people share responsibilities.
1: Yeah. Some teams show up with just drivers and they are the crew or, and they're the lunch getter and they're the trailer tower.
3: <laughs> so example of that, and, and this goes to, you know, again, what you need to come race. <clears throat> um, we will get teams occasionally, drivers, crews that, you know, like, oh, but I, but I need this and I need that. I'm like, well, you know, you, you don't need it. You just want it. And it, 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 it does make it easier to have extra people, admittedly. And one of the numbers that people kind of focus on is the number five. Because we allow a maximum of five people over the wall during a fuel stop, right? So while you've got the gas cap off and you're fueling the car, you're allowed a maximum of five people. One person handling fuel jugs, one person with the fire extinguisher, the driver in, the driver out, and one person to aid the driver. So people kind of focus on five. But there was a team out in California at Willow Springs two years ago. You, Bill's laughing because he yeah. remembers them. It was a husband and wife with a Miata. And that was it. It was the husband and wife. These were two eight-hour races, Saturday and Sunday, and the one of them would get in, start the race. I think they could probably go maybe an hour 40, hour 50 on fuel. They'd come in. The person getting out of the car would grab the fuel bottle. The driver getting in would handle the fire extinguisher. They'd fuel the car. Driver getting in would put the fire extinguisher down, climb in the car. The driver who just got out would buckle them in and send them on their way. And those two people, husband and wife alone, ran two eight-hour races, fueling the car, pit stopping it, servicing it, everything. And they were on the podium each day out at Willow Springs. So you don't need a huge crew. You just need enough people to staff the race. Now, Champ Car requires a minimum of two drivers for races under eight hours, a minimum of three drivers once you start getting up to our 12s and 14s and a minimum of four drivers for a 24 hour race. So that's the only real number you've got to meet beyond that. Bring as many people as you'd like. You know, if you've got extra people that can come and cook for you and handle stuff on pit lane, bring as LaSue's,
1: many as you like.
3: Yeah. Healthcare. <laughs> <keep in> mind, <laughs> you know, some champ car events can be kind of big and yeah. it's almost, almost a guarantee at any decent sized race, you're going to be doubled up in your pit stall. So if you're lacking for people, just turn to the people in the pit stall with you and say, hey, can you help me out? And, and I promise you they will. And more than likely, you're going to wind up making a friend out of it, you know. Um, and just as an example of helpfulness, I was in the car at the, uh, the 24 at VIR. And one of the guys on my team had given me out of the sum. He's like, hey, you need to take these like salt tablets or something, you know. And <laughs> like, all right, I was hungry and I was eating stuff. And I got so sick. I mean, I got like disorientedly sick in the car. I barely made it into pit lane. One of my teammates had to like help pull me out of the car. It got me over the wall and I I fell into one of the the lawn chairs there and I just fell asleep. I was asleep for like two hours. So it's like four o'clock in the morning and I wake up and I look around and I'm like... I don't know any of these people. I had stopped in the wrong pit stall and the team whose box I'd stopped in had gotten me out of the car. It wasn't even my guy. They got me out of the car and they just, they just left me. My team was like three pit stalls down and, and the team whose box I was in was like, no, it's okay. He can stay here and sleep. He's fine. You know, so made a friend with another team and instant help, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it is, it is not manpower intensive. As long as you've got the minimum number of drivers just come show up. I promise you somebody will help you out. And yeah, we did, a,
1: we did a race at Laguna Seca, I think it was 2014, 2015, Dr- uh, towed out there, got out there, got into the race, and we got hit with sound issues and uh, brought the car back in. But after two laps, we just, it wasn't, we weren't going to win that race. So the guys next to us had a little TR7, um, no, not TR, yeah, like a TR7, um, little British sports car, two guys. And we, I just noticed they're over there, two guys fueling their car. One guy would get back in and go out and race. It was just two guys, and I'm like, guys, let's give them a hand. Let's let's help them out here. Well, we did, and come to find out, they beat us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by one lap. And uh, but we had fun, and it was their championship out there, so they were totally stoked and and had a blast. So and and I think that's you see that up and down pit lane at most of our
3: at all, pretty much all of our races. That's the kind of thing that will earn the team our sportsmanship award. Um, yeah. one, of the, one of the organizations that provide some sponsorship to us is a, a group called the Chandler School. And uh, they, they do work to support kids with dyslexia and whatnot, but they, um, they race with us regularly. They use, they use the car as a mechanism for the families of the kids and sometimes the kids when they grow up to get involved in motorsports and stuff. So they use it as a like a school promotional thing. But they sponsor our sportsmanship award. And those are the kind of things that we'll give it out. You know, we'll recognize a team who spends a lot of time helping other people, whether it's pushing cars on pit lane or, you know, in one case, we had a team that that broke, and this happens fairly often actually, but their car broke, their main car broke, and they pulled parts off that car to put it on a neighbor's car to keep them going. Uh, in one case again, I don't know what it is about the California Racers, man, but those guys like they they all like the whole place is is eligible for the championship yeah. or I'm sorry for the sportsmanship <laughs> award. They're 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 the most friendly among the racers out yeah. there. It's great. <clears throat> and again, the California race um Thunderhill, a team came in and they just they just weren't ready that for whatever the reason was, they they just weren't ready. Yeah. And the team, remember this one, Bill, yep.
1: that's
3: yep, yep. all adjacent to them, just handed them their full fuel jugs. They said, here, just take, take our equipment, pitch your car. And then the next day, the opposite team, the team that had loaned the fuel jugs, I think they had put their stuff away or they'd used up their allotment of fuel or for whatever reason, or they didn't have people or something. But their car came in and either, like I say, they weren't ready or their fuel wasn't available or something. And the team they had helped just turned around in their gear. They didn't take their gear off their, their car left and they just turned around and pitted their neighbor's car for them. Cause they were already in their safety gear and whatnot. And it turned out later that the two, those two teams were both fighting for the A-class yeah. win. And yet they each took turns pitting the other team's car so that they could stay in the race. And, and if yeah. I have had two sportsmanship awards, I would have given it to both of them. You know, and, and I think that's, again, that's one of the elements of what Champ Car is, as an organization that I want, I want to stay, you know, there, it goes back to our founder, where he said, you know, I, I want, I want an organization where teams will work really hard to beat another team on the racetrack, but in the pits and the paddocks, you'll share tools and loan equipment and help each other out. You know, you'll, you'll do your best to get the other guy on track so that you can race him out there and have have a yep. good time. Yeah, that's
0: those are great stories, and I think that that really uh, <clears throat> shows what uh, the the camaraderie and the the teamwork. And at the end of the day, we're all racers. We're all there to have a good time. Um, so think about um, from the organization perspective, not from your guys being in on track or in a car. But what's the the oddest or funniest thing you've had to deal with from a organization perspective?
1: Hmm. Well, I have, you know, 24s bring out the best in everybody, um, 24-hour races, and not only the best of the people, but the best of the cars, and we've had cars that show up, new teams, and they've got those purple parts you buy at the, at the, at the, at the, yo race car, school, you know, race car store, purple parts all over the car, chrome this, chrome that, <laughs> and the car looks pretty awesome, it's stickered up great and everything, and, and you just look at it going, huh. Yeah this this isn't going to last very long and uh sure enough by the end of the 24 you see this big pile of of anodized aluminum in the in the paddock and uh you know like uh, AutoZone part or auto boxes all around it with uh, all the parts and stuff and I that just always cracked me up and you know it's some of the things the guys think is going to work just don't
3: so so two things come to mind um one is a little bit of uh you know how the sausage is made behind the scenes but um bill and i were out at auto club and it was the first time i'd gone to work a race out there and i had had like six pre-event phone calls planning phone calls with that bill's laughing already i could see him on the screen and thank god we went out there a day early and and we're just meeting with the track we're up in the tower and You know the the track rentals everywhere you go are all different what's provided what's included how you staff it, it it really is different but being that they were owned by a standardized company i made the obviously incorrect assumption that they would be staffed like every other company and so we're sitting up there in the tower and we're having this conversation about corner workers and i said well is this where the corner worker control is going to be and he track manager said something like you know yeah whoever you have up here and it, it didn't register until a few minutes later we were talking about something else and he said again yeah you know whoever, whoever you've got coming and i was like um wait come come again about the corner workers <laughs> who's gonna be here he's like well wh- whoever you hired for corner workers i'm like say the what now i'm supposed to get the corner workers i thought you got the corner workers so literally oh. on like the thursday before friday load-in for a saturday sunday race i'm like uh okay let's get on the internet." 1-800-corner-workers.com, and, but you know, so we got it worked out, and uh, there's a gentleman out there, um, he runs a really, really nice organization, and they they helped us out, they were able to staff it at the last minute, but it was just kind of one of those, you know, as far as the racers were concerned, we were ready to go, and that's our that's our end goal, I want, I want the racers to see a smooth running product, even if behind the scenes, you know, we're like, like you know, ducks on a pond, where we're scrambling like crazy under the water, um the other one was at a vir race we were on the south course <clears throat> and a lady comes in and we do gear inspection right drivers have to bring their gear in and have it inspected head to toe and we put a sticker on it to say it it meets our, our requirements <clears throat> and she says you know I'm, I'm here for my husband's gear and we're like okay well, we'll get checked over there on the table and she's looking around she's like well you know where do i get it and it kind of went back back and forth for a couple of seconds and she's like My husband said I could come in here and get his helmet and stuff. We're like, no, no, you just got to bring it in, and we check it. She's like, oh, okay. So she goes out, and we don't think anything of it. And a couple minutes later, he comes in with her, and you know, he's no, you're supposed to provide me with the helmet and the suit. We're like, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's not how this works. So we have this conversation about this, and you know, and long story short, he's not ready. Things aren't right, and he goes, well, can can I at least get my car inspected? Get it checked so that when i come back for another event it's ready to go and at the time we were able to do that we've changed the way we do some things electronically now we're not but at the time we could so we said, okay sure go ahead and this is about a half hour later or so maybe a little longer because he was in line and our tech guy calls over to mike and myself on the radio and he said did you send this car over to get teched and we're like yeah he you know blah blah helmet equipment you know misunderstanding but just get his car tech now and the, the tech guy goes are you sure?" we're like uh why why would we not be Said, stick your head out the window and we look and it's like a 2015 corvette zr1 full interior full street car i mean it's practically still got the window sticker in it (laughs) so then the guy comes back over and he's like you know close to apoplectic he's really upset and and frustrated and finally mike and i are like what are you here to do and he lays out what he was here for or laughing we're like yeah you're on the wrong track you need to be on the track there, so he was there for like an with with vir we're like okay you're gonna to want to leave go to the other end of the racetrack and it took like three evolutions back and forth but when the tech guy called and said uh seriously you want me to tech this car oh that's funny said, oh, wait a minute you
1: know? <laughs> yeah the, the, the wrong track is my is my absolute fear um you, you, a lot of folks know we Dana and I go to a lot of the races. I go to pretty much almost all the races. And and we have 30 or so a year. And that's a lot of travel. And that's a lot of calendars you have to keep up. Yeah. And uh, one year, I guess a couple of years ago, I had made, you know, done all my work for the week for the marketing stuff. And and I sent an email to to Mike Chiswick at the time. I said, all right, I'm heading out. Um, I'll see you you know, see you tomorrow, and uh, sent some stuff out to my staff and said, okay, you know, we're doing the show, and this is what we need, and I'll be offline, and they all said, okay, great, 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 and I left, and um, about two hours in, I decided to check my phone, and I see all these, why is Bill leaving now questions, I'm like, what, wait, wait, what, 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 and I look at the calendar, it's like, oh, crap this race is next week (laughs) it's like turn around head back and you know so that just made made a big joke but my um my fear was that uh Michael Waltrip Napa uh parts commercial where he goes he's talking about how great everything is the morning the track it's quiet and then he realizes he's at the wrong track and that's kind of the fear I have of Showing up at the wrong place.
0: Oh
3: my goodness! Yeah, I had that experience at the airport where you know security people are looking at your boarding pass and they're like, "What's oh, your yeah. destination today, Mister Morrison?" And I'm like, "Ah, I, you know, doesn't it say? I I don't know. What whatever it says on there is where I'm going. You know,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know." <laughs> so you guys mentioned uh, Doug Bowles being a, a driver, but any any big notable names last season?
3: uh I don't know about last season. I mean, Randy's a pretty regular runner with us. Randy um, popes
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
3: and then um oh god he's gonna kill me for forgetting his name Johann schwartz was just at our sebring race um yeah. but
1: just, james you know, clay runs with us um, yeah. a lot okay. of sports car guys and a lot of them come out with us and they don't make a big deal about it what they want is track time um we figure that they've got a some big race coming up so they just want to get a feel for the track the way it is today and and uh we try not to say too much i do ask them you know when i go and interview them for the show i do ask them you, you you mind doing an interview do you care if people know you're here and most of them don't care i think mike or um what's his name um the nascar guy tony stewart at one time said Nah, i don't really really want people to know i'm here because you know some i guess some at some level you get too many fans coming out and that kind of yeah. stuff yeah, we okay. had um Tommy, um, Tommy Burns runs with us a lot, hmm. F1 driver, crash and burn, you probably heard of that movie. Great, great story. Um, the guy is absolutely a riot to hang out with, too. He's uh, got a lot of stories, a lot of experience all the way up to Formula One. Um, we've had some other folks that have run in Formula One that have run with us as rental drivers for some teams, and um, that's always kind of a blast to watch. And to see them kind of humble too, that there's some guys out that are racing with us that do a lot of racing and just have a lot of skill, but they don't have the money to move up the Mm -hmm. levels that you need to do. And, and, um, you know, we get some some comments from some of these top drivers like yeah that guy was good who was in that car and you say they're you know joe nobody and he's like holy cow that guy was great where is he i want to talk to him you know yeah and those guys always find it really funny oh my god he came up to me and he said i you know that was a great little run we had you know so
3: yeah it's fun too for me because you know especially when i get a new driver in or a new team and you know one of the things i'll tell them is listen you know that that guy you've been watching on tv you know, that team you've been watching for years, they're right there, yeah. you know, and if you've got a question about how they're running their team or how they're fast or, you know, how they manage your pit stop, go talk to them. I I promise you they'll answer your question and they'll help you out, you know, but don't be intimidated by them. Just go over and talk to them. They're people just like us and, and they'll be happy to talk to you. And, and I think if they can spread that knowledge and that experience to the new racers, it just enhances the experience for everyone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We guys mentioned earlier sponsors being a big part of this and making it happen. So let's talk about some of the sponsors that, well, not some of them, let's talk about all of them that we can. Um, so who, who's in, who are you involved with in this uh, 2022 season? That's
1: all you bill. Yeah. Well, we um, we have a, or, pff, let me start that over again. Good job, um, bill. Yeah. Let me, let me pull up a page here real quick, just so I don't forget. Cause you know, it's, what's the best way to not forget your sponsors there, Dana?
3: yes yes rule number one in motorsports is mention the sponsor and rule number two apparently is get the sponsor's name right ask me how i learned that lesson <laughs> <laughs> but you know if you don't know who your
1: sponsors are what do you do read, read the car read the car yeah <laughs> so we have TireRack.com. they're our uh, title sponsor they've been with us for three years this will be their fourth year coming back with us and uh of course everybody knows tire rack uh lots of folks buy their tires from them um, RVA Graphics and Wraps—they're a company in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, they're a custom graphic shop. They—they uh, they also do oil and stuff for the Richmond area. And they got tired of paying high prices for their wraps for all their thousands of vehicles for the, in, in Richmond, and uh, they started up their own company. And and their guys actually race with us. And and uh, one of their. Um, uh, I guess he's, is he the president of the company now, Justin? He is now on our board of directors. Um, Lifeline USA, James Clay, uh, the owner of that company, uh, which is also Bimmerworld. Um, they, uh, they run with us, uh, con- you know, throughout the year. Um, Lifeline USA, UUC Motorworks out of Georgia, uh, BMW Performance Company, uh, Frozen Rotors out of the, uh, I think Wisconsin, somewhere in that area. Um, Frozen Rotors, they have a really neat product that extends the life of uh, your rotors while you're racing. Um, NLA Parts, uh, they're out of Georgia as well. Um, They do no longer available parts for cars that might not have parts available out there for it. Uh, Racing Radios out of uh, Mooresville and and, uh, Georgia, Uh, everybody knows Racing Radios. They provide uh, all kinds of uh, communications gear for our teams and uh, all the way up to IndyCar. Um, bell racing they're the official helmet of champ car they've uh been around since 1954 building helmets and safety gear for teams um, they've been involved with us for a few years now And of course the chandler school which dana spoke to earlier they're our sportsmanship award and we have our class sponsors which is discoveryparts.com and they uh handle a lot of parts and gear and all kinds of cool stuff for our racers they're out of uh, atlanta motorsports park in dawsonville georgia and Money Shift Racing out of Willoughby, Ohio. They uh they do performance alignments, roll cages, corner weighting, engine building, all kinds of cool stuff for that. And of course, we have AutoZone, which is our Champ Car Live Advertiser. Uh they present, they help us present the uh Champ Car Live show um, at most races in uh, that we do each year. And uh we have serious Supporters, which is Maxis Tires, Line Space, and Track Swag. And uh, if you're currently looking to advertise your company, uh, contact us. We're always looking for folks to help out in the racing world.
3: I guess we can make it official now because I talked to him yesterday. Krispy Kreme is coming back mm-hmm. on board cool. next year Good. as a class sponsor. And they're a lot of fun because, you know, not only does he, you know, provide his series sports and whatnot. Um, and, and I should say that we want our relationship with our sponsors to be more than just a sticker on a car. And to go to that, the uh, gentleman Todd Burris from Krispy Kreme he gives us these M&M candy jars that we give out at the award ceremony. And I, I like to find reasons to recognize teams that aren't otherwise getting trophies. So, you know, like at Sebring, I, I was given the, the Krispy Kreme M&M jars away to, you know, any team that brought their kids to the award ceremony and stuff. Just something to make it worth people's while to come to the award ceremony, even if you're not, expecting to get a trophy you know i want to have something to hand out to make your experience there so it's be a candy jar i don't know six or eight inches tall or so your typical um you know mason jar type thing and usually in the candy jar will be a year's worth of free donuts from crispy cream so and uh, who is, doesn't
1: like free donuts exactly
3: and right. it is it is a popular popular award with everybody sometimes more popular than the trophies honestly so so glad to have crispy cream back
0: yeah that's great. And that's a great list of sponsorships too. We'll make sure uh, I'll, I'll list them all and, and link to them in the show notes page. Um, so someone's listening to this and like, all right, I'm hooked. I got to learn more. Where do we send listeners to learn more about Champ Car?
1: Well, we have uh, our website, which is uh, champcar.org, O-R-G. <clears throat> um, our social media page, pages, which is Champ Car and uh, the Champ Car Garage, which is a closed private, area um kind of keep the privacy of folks and um you know how social media can get sometimes so uh, we have the open and, and closed uh social media platforms and of course champ car live which is champ car dot live to watch our shows live um we do uh if we do a seven hour race or 10 hour race we're doing seven hours and 10 hours of broadcasting um i got a full bar- broadcast crew tiffany alexander paul Veltum, who's our producer um we have uh folks you might have heard um uh, David Hobbs and, um, uh, gosh, I should
3: just have <laughs> <good job>,
1: <laughs> I know, I know,
3: I know. Don't forget the forum. Yeah. Yeah. Wait wait wait, 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 wait. I can't yeah, forget I the other guy. Yeah, I know. But while you're, while you're casting yes. around in your brain, <laughs> I'll, I'll keep the space filler going. Um, remember the, it in 20 the forum, minutes. The forum's a really good place too, because there's a discussion thread for each upcoming race with race specific information the schedule, the format, all that kind of stuff. And then just local information about it. Then there's a technical section where people can go for information on actual building their cars. And of course, your your general discussion sessions. And then there's also places on there if you are just looking to drive and you're looking to pick up a ride, there are, you can either go to the race thread or you can go to, um, there's a section there for people looking either to pick up drivers or looking to get a ride. So if you're looking to say, listen, I just, I just want to rent a seat who's got a seat available and there's anything from organizations that do it literally professionally that's what they do is they field cars and they they make their money by selling seats, which can be a little bit more expensive, but you generally get a much more arrive and drive experience or you might find a team on there that's just down a driver and if you're willing to turn wrenches and help with the team and pit the car then for you know literally a couple hundred dollars under a thousand you can pick up a a seat with at least a reasonably competent team out there and maybe not a a guarantee of running up front for the win but you can at least get your feet wet and run the event run the series so the discussion forum is another really good place to start out and have you thought of the name yet yes Joel? i have
1: we uh we're, we're working with bob Varsha and david hobbs of uh formula one united states formula one coverage um they worked together for a long time those two together we've had bob Varsha in our show a few times uh helping uh to uh be an analyst and uh talk about champ car and the first time we did it was last year at uh, road atlanta And, of course, he had an absolute blast, especially when our race was shortened due to uh, snow. He'd never seen a race actually taking place with snow falling and, uh, you know, a a road race. And so that was fun. And then we brought him back for our uh, uh, wet race at Barber here recently. And he came prepared. I mean, he came with binders of stuff and uh, just ready to talk. And, man, it was awesome working with him. And, you know, this is a guy that's a professional you know yeah. we have we've, we've actually had a lot of help from uh, folks w- from the NBC side um uh some CBS folks as well um and a guy named Brian Belinsky that's uh doing a podcast for another series um but he's also going to be helping us and doing a podcast for us this year and um it's called Inside Champ Car our first show is actually recorded Saturday and uh for release next week and that's going to be every week we'll have a a new show out um for 2022 and uh Dana is actually our guest for that show as well so um, lots of places to to see us hear us talk to us uh you can talk to us at the track um you can find me everywhere you can find dana there at most tracks or, or chelsea vickery who's our other event director and not only is dana the ceo president head uh you know garbage taker outer guy but he's also an event director he puts on um about half the races in the united states uh chelsea vickery is our other event director she was actually um, one of the first females to ever run a race at Daytona. Um, they mm-hmm. had a full female crew there, safety, flagging, everything. And it was pretty wild watching watching that happen, being part of that. Um,
3: oh, to, to answer your question um, about getting involved, something else that I would point oh, yeah. out is we're always looking for people to help us out on pit lane. So if you're interested in just coming to one of our events and just kind of seeing what it's like, seeing what it's about, seeing how it's run, seeing what the cars are like, but you don't want to quite cross that threshold into getting into a car or even building a car. There is a place on our website. If you go to the actual website, champcar.org, go down to the events. There's a place there. It's called get involved. And you can fill out a uh, little web page there, a little web ticket, to volunteer for a specific event the reason we ask you to go and do it that way is it requires you to fill in some information specifically your name and the event but also emergency contact information and it generates a specific email to the event director so we can keep track of how many guest workers we have coming but we'll put you on pit lane with a radio and some safety equipment you can help us marshal the cars on pit lane and we will pay you for the day and feed you while you're there. It's a good opportunity to come out and just kind of see how the events run and you know what, what you'd really be looking at, at getting into if you came to race the event. A lot of times too, teams will come and volunteer for event when they're not racing and more times than not teams have come back afterwards and said, wow, I learned so much about how the race is run, how it's officiated, how things are going on on the radio, and it helps them better prepare for themselves when they go to the race because they know how things are run by us behind the scenes. So if you're looking for a low-cost way to just get out and try it out, consider volunteering with us on Pit Lane.
0: Yeah, I'll make sure to link right to that as well. Um, So let's go back to the podcast for a second. Mm -hmm. What's the name of the podcast?
1: Inside Champ Car.
0: Inside Champ Car. And then is it the first episode that's coming out?
1: Yep. First episode will be out uh, next week. Uh, Every Thursday. Yeah. Every Thursday, a new podcast will be released on all the platforms. Awesome. Congratulations. on it. That's awesome. I don't know, man. I've not done something 52 weeks in a row working wise. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) We'll see what you're made of, Bill. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Hey, I got, uh, I got two more questions for you. Uh Uh, What are you most looking forward to for the 2022 season?
3: Ozarks. National championship event for us at the Ozarks. Um, we're gonna be one of the first clubs to run a green flag race there. We went and toured the track last year, and I specifically selected it as the championship format for our 2021 season because nobody will have a home field advantage there. It'll be a brand new event format for everybody coming to it. So I'm I'm terribly excited about it. I hope the turnout is good. Um, I hope the people are as excited about a brand new track as I am. So really looking forward to that
1: that's exciting. Hey, my, mine is, um, a few things. I am an endurance, uh, racing guy. I like the long races. These, these seven hour and eight hour sprint races, they're just, you know, they're fun, but I like to, I'm also the, I'm the guy that actually helped, uh, get the summer of 24s going. We did like three 24s within a three-month period one year. Staff hated me, really. They did. Still
3: still (laughs) still haven't forgiven you, by the way.
1: (laughs) That was a lot of work. Um, But uh, I like the long races. and I know we we, uh, we have the VIR Classic 24 coming up this year, possibly another one. And then we have uh, uh, the 12-hour at Thunder Hill, um, which we're going to be doing. And I think that's, you know, 12 hours at Thunder Hill would be awesome. Um, I know 25 hours is pretty awesome there. But for Champ Car, I think 12 hours is just right. And it's a July 4th weekend. So it's that's going to make it even better. Is
0: VIR the only 24 that you have scheduled? I know you said you're working on another one.
3: That's right the only one we have scheduled. Um, I, we're 99% on the other one. Um, I just have to put some ink on a contract. Um, it will be really exciting and worthy of another another specific show to talk about it. Um, but I don't want to let that cat out of the bag until I actually put ink to paper. And Bill's holding his hand over. His mouth. I know.
0: Look, you can hardly contain Bill, his excitement.
3: Bill has never met a fact or piece of information that he wants hasn't wanted to immediately put out on the internet. It's it's his worst <laughs> and best quality. Um, but Yeah, we're, we we haven't because we haven't signed paper. We don't actually have it yet. And I'd like to just just leave that that little dangling piece of you know excitement for next time but yeah it, it, if it comes out the way i think it will and i don't see any reason why it won't it'll be um it'll be pretty interesting
1: well i'm I mean, at 24 hours at indianapolis that's always a good one
3: i'm uh, kidding so, by
1: the way no no, no.
3: <laughs> this is how rumors get started and how you lose your job <laughs> once a week
1: <laughs> it's funny
0: bill mentioned that because i'm thinking in the back of my mind man wouldn't a wouldn't a 24-hour Indy be cool
1: it's actually been um been done um we talked about the longest races because we had actually run the longest uh event there at 10 hours um they had done some testing some endurance stuff there back in the old days uh but they would stop so they didn't actually have a true 24. Hmm. um it was kind of fun talking with them because we did two 10-hour races twice um and uh for two years and uh, I think we're going back next year, the year after that, or something. But um, it's uh, it's it's a fun program because that is an endurance race, ten hours. I mean, that's a long time to go, and then you have to turn around to, after that race and get your car ready for another ten hours the next day. So uh, that that's always fun to watch. Uh, watch the paddock, and uh, at least from my perspective in the announcing booth, you know. Wow, yeah. that looks like a lot of work those guys are doing in that hot weather.
0: Sure. <laughs> All right, time for the last question. So the name of the podcast is Late to Grid. That came because uh, a lot of our listeners are the, the folks that are working hard during the week, wrenching in the evenings and weekends, and you know a lot of times they're they're late to the track, late to grid, just because they got so much going on their on their plates. So, both of you gentlemen, have you ever been late to grid, and why?
3: You're first, Bill.
1: Yes, uh my son graduated high school a few years back about 4 years ago and uh my my family said I had to be there for it which you know I wanted to be but we also were doing Watkins Glen race that weekend and that's one of the biggest races of the year for us 100 plus cars it's just an insane weekend. And so basically I sat there through the graduation did my stuff as a father and and did it and and uh as soon as Ian gave me the thumbs up which meant I could leave um I drove and drove and drove from Central Virginia to uh, Watkins Glen. Um, I arrived at the track. I I slept at the hotel. I didn't get in until like 2 or 3 in the morning. Um, Slept at the hotel, woke up, and I hauled butt to the track. I got there, and I arrived with my camera in hand as the green flag dropped. I was kind of late to grid, but I made the start. And our head of tech at the time was on the radio saying, oh, my God, Bill made it. And, uh, that was that, but other than that, I've never, I, I'm the guy that when I was racing was always up at like four in the morning, trying to figure out, did I do this? Did I tighten that nut? Did I, is this air pressure correct? And uh, that kind of stuff.
3: A yeah, so to important. answer your question, um, no, my team's never been late to roll out. Um, but on the, and the answer in the context of something similar but different, um, I mentioned earlier the the race at Sebring, our very first race, where somebody cooked all the clutch off the disc, and it was nothing but rivets, and uh, we we knew it was the clutch, and you know we hadn't seen that till they got it apart. But my friend Paul and I, we'd already driven our stints, so we immediately said we'll go on the parts run. So we meandered into Sebring, ended up going to three different parts stores because we had to get the clutch mechanism one place a pressure plate i'm sorry we got the pressure plate at one place the clutch disc somewhere else and the throwout bearing from a third place and you know we didn't figure they were going to get that thing out of there in any kind of rush so we stopped and we ate and we <laughs> came back to the track and the car is up in the air everything's out all the parts are out the guys are sitting around the car they come running up to the window of the truck where have you guys been you have the parts and we're, we're handing them the parts and they look at the two of us and they're like did you go to Wendy's? And we're standing there holding Frosties and we're like, no. <laughs> so our car was late, let's say, getting back out on the track because we never thought they'd get that transmission out that fast. And uh, yeah. yeah, so um, late, late to the restart, let's say. Yeah, that's great.
0: Well, guys, I really appreciate that. I think this is a great episode. It's been great having you on. We're going to keep tabs on uh, on your podcast coming out on Thursdays. And then we're going to keep hitting refresh when we see that next 24 hour that, uh, released. So it'll be fun. again, thanks for being on the late to grid podcast. Hey, thank thanks you for very having us. It. It's
3: been a pleasure being here,
2: man. I had a lot of fun recording that interview. In fact, I'm still smiling days later after recording that just, uh, two great guys, very genuine, very passionate about what they do. And I have to tell you from experience, everything they said is true. I've done three champ car events, two of those at pit race and one was at Nelson ledges, the 24 hour race. And uh, yeah, everything they said is true. You know, the, the camaraderie in the paddock, uh, the amount of fun and support that everybody uh, offers is great. So if you have not checked out champ car, check it out. 29 events, as they alluded to, there's a couple more in the works. There's gotta be one that fits your schedule. One that's in your region By all means, check it out. And if you're not up for getting behind the wheel, be part of a team. Volunteer with the organization. I I think you're going to find it's a lot of fun. So let's move on to an RX-7 update. Last couple weeks have actually been fairly productive. Uh, We got the shell back to the shop after having it at home for a little bit just to remove some excess body uh, metal. Uh, Things like speaker towers, some extra brackets and plates that weren't needed. Uh, I started to take apart the wiring harness, the previous owner did a fairly good job of paring down the wiring, but there's still room for improvement. I got the rear subframe out, so we're going to be rebuilding the rear calipers, we're going to be installing new wheel bearings, new wheel studs, everything else is in great shape back there. The previous owner upgraded the Delrin bushings, uh, the coilovers still seem like they're in great shape, so I'm excited about that, that should be quick work. One evening last week, I took a couple hours and dug through a box that had over 20 years of receipts for this vehicle. And if you don't know what's going on here, I uh, purchased an old ITS RX-7 race car that had some body and structural damage. Uh, although it, it ran and it drove straight, it, uh, it really needed to be uh, upgraded. So I also have a spare shell and another car. So that spare shell is becoming the new e-production race car so in the next week i'm expecting some more metal parts to arrive so we can install the cage and then once the cage is done we're going to get paint uh, and then once paint done the real work can start of transferring everything over from the one rx7 to the new shell but anyways i was saying that I was going through 20 years of uh, invoices and records And the good thing about that is I was able to see everything they'd done to the car, who they worked with, where they got the parts from. But more importantly, I was able to see part numbers. And I compared those to the list of part numbers I intend to order to uh, either upgrade parts or replace parts on this RX-7. And good news is everything matched up. So one thing is when you have a car that's had one or two previous owners, you don't know exactly what they did. Although you have records, there might be some things that are left... uh, undocumented so did someone change a caliper to a different year caliper a different model caliper anyways good news is everything matched up for what i was looking for plus it gave me a good sense of everything they had done to the car so my goal is march 31st this thing is ready to go to scca tech and uh it's an aggressive schedule but one that i'm pretty sure we can keep i keep saying we it's me and my nephew he comes and helps out Anyways, if you have an off-season project, I want to hear about it. Find a way to communicate, whether you just uh, ping us on uh, Facebook or Instagram. We do have Twitter as well. I want to hear what your projects are. That might spur a guest idea for me. And if we can get a guest or two on that help you with your project, whether that's body work, mechanical work, improving your racecraft, whatever that might be, let us know. So again, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The website is latetogrid.com. Follow and subscribe on your favorite listening app. We would uh, appreciate if you told a friend about us as well. Want to take a minute and talk about Track First? Uh, -first Track-first.com. Listen, it's a new year. You probably need some new gear. Check these guys out. Give them a call. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. Just do a search for Track First. The one thing, uh, there's so many things I like about these guys, but one thing I'll share with you today is you may need something, and after talking to them about it, they might refer you to somebody else. And I've had that happen. They just didn't have the right access to the parts I needed, but they connected me up with the person that could do it. That's the type of service you get with Tim and Sally at Track First. So anyways, whether you're looking for helmet suits, neck restraints, stuff you need at the in the pits and paddock, give them a call, see what they have going on, and uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. So track-first.com oh and one last thing don't be late to Greg